but I end up soon after that going back into jail. And that's when I breathed that last threat on the phone. And that's when the Lord first showed up. He first showed up. He convicted my heart. And I, I, I couldn't even cry when my own brother got killed. And I told you that died some years before that. And my, I began to cry when he showed me who I was. But he showed me my mother's face. And then uh, I began my journey of searching. I won't go through the whole story here, but that began my journey of crying out. Uh, God showed up. Welcome to What's Next with Eric Wood, where we will prepare you to make your what's next in life your best yet. Our next guest is Tony Cash, and Tony has one of the best redemption stories you will ever hear. And through his life transformation, he is impacting countless lives, which we will hear about through this episode. With us being on the heels of Easter, I'm incredibly excited for you to hear this message. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you tune in weekly. And if you haven't already, check out my new book, Tackle What's Next, and that's available on Amazon. Thanks and enjoy. Tony, welcome to the podcast, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you are a celebrity around Louisville, Kentucky. Um, So many people get to see you at church each and every week, uh, baptizing countless individuals after our services at Southeast Christian. But let's dig into your story for those that don't know you on a national level. If you will, start off by telling the listeners about your childhood and, and what led you into being incarcerated for 36 years, starting at the age of 17? Well, I actually started at the age of 11. Um, yeah. Um, I, I always start my story off. The devil got a hold of me at an early age. At the early age of five, I smoked my first cigarette. I smoked my first marijuana joint at the age of seven. Wow. Influenced by two older brothers, uh, we embarked on a, uh, a journey of vandalism and just we lived out in the country nothing to get into delinquent-minded kids and then uh, just one thing after another uh, by the age of 11 uh, graduated to some more serious crimes uh, I came from a family of um, of tough guys my father uh, and his brother uh, were, were pretty known um, and you know, children are, they look up to their dads. Uh, right. And he came from a whole different era. And, uh, and, uh, and they're just following in those shoes of trying to be a tough guy, I, I would believe. But I, I started so young, um, it catapulted me into a tough guy's world because being that young, I, at the age of 11, I started robbing stores uh, with a gun. And between 11 and 17, I, I just in a few years, I was told at the detention center that I was in the top three worst juveniles in the old state of Ohio. And being that young and doing that harsh of a crime, uh, they put me in with the older kids. It usually, in those years, kid that age wasn't robbing stores with guns. And uh, so that, like I said, catapulted me into a tougher world to fulfill <laughs> my drive to be a tough guy. So um, from the age of 11, by, by, by the age of 17, I'd visited 
been in about every juvenile institution there there was and a life of incarceration and escape and just constant uh nonstop uh, i would get out and i would just go right back into uh, the criminal element uh, it's a, it's what i really begin to be uh, from from the age of five you know at the, from age of five uh the, that lifestyle i got caught at seven stealing a pack of cigarettes uh, out of a store so the point is is that uh, this criminal mindset was embedded in me early on. I just had the constant. Uh, I, I was I was a great athlete, but I didn't use my skills for anything. But the, uh, devoting it to being as criminal minded and as malicious and um, violent and as uh, it was just it was just uh, instilled into me early on, and uh, and my father uh, was a trucker truck driver and he was gone quite a bit and when he would come back in he either i'd be on the run uh, or locked back up or if he could get his hands on me uh, my dad was a good man i don't want to make it sound like uh he wasn't he didn't know what else to do so by the age of uh, 17 i i graduated to the adult system um and I got bound over as a, as a juvenile. And between the ages of 11 and age 49, I spent over 36 years of my life incarcerated. Wow. Um, uh, 20 of those years, I lived in solitary confinement. Uh, I was literally, uh, the Bible says, don't be conformed to the ways of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind was so conformed to, to a way of life uh, it's all I knew. Uh, this hatred, this it was such violence that raged in me that I'd get so angry I'd black out from from angry. I hear of others that that's uh, suffering from that, and I understand that. And it was a rage I, I can't describe why or where. Even my father had that. Uh, so, um, so I lived, like I said all those years of incarceration and uh, most of the prisons and institutions I was in were the harsher ones uh, because of my, my violence and my extreme lifestyle. Uh, so I was categorized maximum security, uh, even at a young age at that, at the age of 11, they sent me to one of the worst ones they had. Uh, and like I said, that just, that just groomed me even more. Um, and I was just set on being as, uh, as tough as I could be. I took on a mindset of, of, uh, of like mixed martial arts. Um, I use this to describe it and mixed martial arts, mixed martial arts is, is, uh, is people that, that got into fighting and learned there's more to fighting than just boxing or, uh, right. martial arts is controlled movements and like karate's kick strikes and blocks, judo's throws and holds, uh, and when someone gets into fighting, they start learning there's more to fighting than just them controlled movements. So they want to mix it up, so they start learning from all these other arts. That's why it's mixed martial arts. So they're they're, they're trying to be the best fighter they can be. Well, I had that mindset and everything that I that I did 
Uh, I was being the best convict I could be, the best outlaw I could be, the best fighter. You know, I got into martial arts. I got into all, all, all that. I was just being as trying to be as dominant as, as I could be. So from the bodybuilding, the weightlifting, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, boxing, wrestling, karate, judo, taekwondo, uh, and uh, Okinawan Gojo-ru, all those things was my part of my life, turning me into inefficient. Today I look at it and I say an efficient animal because that was the mindset it turned me into. The Bible says hate your life if you want to save it. If you love it, you're going to lose it. And I used to be proud of who I was. And uh, when I got to the point in my life where uh, no longer could my father put a hand on me. No longer could anybody. No longer did I, I had principles or values that I stood on and I, that would even take a life over certain things. And that's really what, what brought me to the end of myself when uh, I took on these principles of uh, an extreme lifestyle. And certain things people would do would be worthy of losing their life and, and nothing is worthy of that. No, no, that's, that's a, <clears throat> that's a moral principle value put together by outlaw. Uh, I, I can't even imagine. I try to imagine what the world was like before Christ, before his spirit was poured out onto the world. Uh, human being, I, I lived in the worst of the worst place uh, and, and human beings were, I've seen some hideous things that we we can do and i and i felt and i felt i was i I was where i was supposed to be uh, i i was those people as well I, I could see just as how far i could go uh and and i i honestly uh got to a point where i had some my own some of my own brothers did some certain things that you just might not talk to them for a while you just might be mad at them i wanted to take their life and then that that began my journey of seeing myself for who who i who i was um i, I think the lord uh, put it on my heart uh early on there when uh, i breathed my my last threat over a phone from a jail into one of my brothers each one of them did something different but uh, all of them to me was worthy of of losing their life. And it's just preposterous. And, uh, my mother's face showed up in my mind. The first time I seen her after my one brother was actually killed while I was in prison. And she came to visit me months after his death. And I could just see the look on her face. It was just so devastating. And so, Oh, and I'm in belly chains and shackles and chained up and I can't even hug her. I'm in a maximum security. I'm actually in solitary. And they brought me out from solitary to visit her. And uh, I just looked at her face. And I, in my mind, I'm looking at that face and I, I'm trying to just explain to her why I killed her children. Mm-hmm. And it, it just that, that it, you know, I hadn't, done that you know it's just my thoughts of, of killing them and that's and then the lord just broke later i know that the lord just was breaking me down he's getting me to that point of hating who i was i used to be proud of who i was my comp accomplishments and i used to teach and train other people uh, to survive and, and, to, and to to be this kind of uh, militant malicious uh kind of lifestyle 
and uh, and God put somebody in my path who was one of my comrades, one of my friends, uh, my, one of my confidants, one of my closest friends over those dark years. And uh, it's after I was out for a few months and uh, everywhere I went, no one wanted me around. I was this guy that you didn't know. he I was a loose cannon. Uh, I just, no one wanted me around. I won't go through the whole journey, but it was, it was, I created havoc everywhere I went. I was just too extreme. The, the prison and the mentality that I took on from that lifestyle I, uh, was extreme about everything. Uh, I lived in a one prison that really took that mindset to another level of, um, uh, it was one of the worst prisons in America and it was very, very sick, very violent. And that's what ruled it. And that's what I, that's the life. That's what I took on that shaped my principles and moral system, you know, that I had lived by. And, uh, so I ran into this friend that was one of those tough guys. And I was out on the street. It was during that time when I, I just breathed my last threat to, or no, I, I was in the process of, of, if, if I wouldn't have went back to jail, then two of those brothers wouldn't have made it. And then the last threat I breathed was when I was in the jail, not long after that, to, to the third one. And, uh, but in that mindset, you know, when I'm in, I'm, I was in that state of mind where uh, I knew what I was becoming. And, and I used to tell myself that uh, I would end up I blame the system. I blame cops. I fought with cops so much in my life. And uh, I was just known for that. Very, very uh, rebellious and, and very extreme. And, and I remember being in that prison. I was just talking about, uh, I was in the worst lockdown they had. The only thing after that would have been, um, death row. And I remember sitting on my bed we had a window in that cell, but you couldn't really see out of it. It was a mesh screen with bars. You could barely see a building over there on the other side, but I knew that building was that next building over there was was uh, was death row. It was, it was the next cell block next to me. It was death row. And I used to tell myself that's where I'm going to end up because I've already went to. Uh, I had the reputation of been all the worst of the worst. You know, I was one of those guys. I'm, I'm the survivor. They say, here, where you've been, that, that gives you a reputation. Oh, he's been there. He must be a tough guy, you know. So I done achieved all these uh, accomplishments. If that's, if that's, that's about, about the most insane thing you hear, that it's an accomplishment to go to the worst of the worst and survive, you know, and, and, and it was something to be proud of. And, and, uh, I, and I would tell myself that that's where I would end up was on death row. I, I, I had this mindset of uh, suicide by cop killing. Uh, it was knowing if you kill a, a police officer, they're going to kill you. And that's, that's what always driven me. I used to tell myself if I couldn't function anymore, if I wasn't, if I would become no good, uh, to, well, that's where I became. But in my mindset, it, I would tell myself if I ever got to that point, then I would do that. I'd either end up on death row or cause them to kill me on the spot. So it was that insane life that, and I was in that process of, of getting ready to snap. And I, and I was always constantly thinking of 
finding a police officer. It just, it was crazy. And seeing those newsreels where you see these kind of things happen. And I'd say, I, I understand. I understand that insanity. I, I've grown to a point to say, I know why they do stuff like that. And others could not grasp it, but you know, it's a spirit world that had a hold of me that can get a hold of anybody. Like you said, if you've been through what I've been through, then you would be me. <laughs> right. No doubt. You know, that. you see some digging in a trash can and people say, I'd never do that. You don't know what you would do. If you walked in his shoes, you'd bring right in that dumpster with him. Yep. And it's just, it, it, so I look back now and see God allowed me to go through that life to use me, but how he's using me today. Um, but I ran into that friend of mine and I was at, the, he knew he could see it. I was fit to be tied. You know, you, when someone's living in that mindset, the look in their eyes, everything it, it's, it, I, I've seen men seconds before they was going to kill somebody and they look nothing like they look like in the normal. And I know that he knew me well and he's seen that look and he, all he wanted to do, I looked at him, I said, man, you, you look great. I just thought it might've been the freedom, the street clothes. And, and he said something to me that, that you wouldn't say, if I said, Eric, you look great, man. You wouldn't say I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian now. <laughs> and that's what he said to me. I said, man, you look great. And he said, I'm a Christian now. Wow. He just wanted to put that out. He just wanted to tell me this. He wanted me. He just wanted me to know that, like I, like I plead with the men when I'm talking. This man, there is freedom in Christ. There is a born again experience, and uh, you don't have to go through the hell you're going through. And I wish I'd had somebody that could have taught me that early on, or when I first come to know Christ would have taught me that like I'm doing now with men because I came to know the Lord and that, that wasn't enough. I would love to tell you that when he told me about God, that I gave my life to the Lord and I happily ever after. And my journey was a great journey of ministry. That's not the case that day. God become an option, but I didn't, I didn't surrender my life. If he was telling me he was a Christian, I, there must be something to that God stuff. It was all up to then. I thought it was a hustle. I, saw, I thought it, it was all a joke. Uh, Jim Jones killing all those people in my time, uh, seeing uh, priests molesting children, seeing embezzlement in the Christian church world, all the th- criminal things I seen. All the I judged God by that. But when He told me that, I knew Him well. I said, "This must be something to it." But I got away from Him. I didn't. Uh, I didn't talk with him much. Uh, I won't go through the whole story, but I end up soon after that going back into jail. And that's when I breathed that last threat on the phone. And that's when the Lord first showed up. He first showed up. He convicted my heart. And I, I, I couldn't even cry when my own brother got killed. And I told you that died some years before that. And my, I began to cry mm. when he showed me who I was when he showed me my mother's face. And, uh, then I began my journey searching. I won't go through the whole story here, but that began my journey of crying out. Uh, God showed up and, but I'd love to say that everything 
was happily ever after story. Well, God showed up and I went back to prison for two years. And when I came back out, I ended up falling many times after that. Um, that was in 2002, 2008. I got out and, uh, I, I did like 15 or years at that moment. And then when I got out, they sent me back for two years of parole violation. And, uh, and when I got out after those two years, for those two years, I was in the word I was, but I wasn't learning how to grow spiritually. Mm. I wasn't learning how to, uh, how to renew my mind. I was reading God's word. I was learning some great stuff and anybody can do good for a while. We all know right from wrong, good from evil. We, we know that that's, that that's, we, that we took that on when we took on the ability to sin. And, uh, so I, I embarked on an eight year journey in the eight year period. I got a 19 page criminal history in an eight year period after knowing Jesus. So they did my story on the 700 club and, uh, and asked me had some old pictures or things from my past. And I didn't. And I Googled, I don't know what I did because I'm not a tech person. And I found 25 mug shots that was between that eight year period. So that means I was arrested at least 25 times. And, uh, and those, Every time I was arrested, I grabbed the Bible. So I, I know a lot about falling. And I grabbed that Bible every time because I knew the first time God showed me that he was real. But I couldn't understand why I couldn't get set free. And then it was the last time in prison, in solitary confinement for the last time. Uh, my, di- my father died the year before. All my family I didn't have no relationship with except for my mother a woman I was with, I knew wasn't going to stick around much longer. I'm back in solitary. I'm going to see the pro board next month. I'm not going to get a pro. And, and uh, my physical being was shot. I was like 50 pounds underweight where I saturated my body with some drugs, trying to fight the demons. That was how I self-medicated at times. And uh, I'm laying in that hole. And the chaplain came to tell me my mother was dead. Mm. That very moment, my mind went all the way back to what I didn't share earlier was all the way back to that moment where I was, I was in that jail when the Lord was working on my heart. I didn't know it at the time, but I was, I was going to put the, put into play, uh, the plan to kill a cop I, I'm back in jail and I was done. Uh, I just, uh, just, I felt like I was that person that wasn't fit for society. Everybody, no one wanted me around. So I was going to kill a guard in that jail. And that's when the Lord showed up. I was breaking a mop bucket ringer apart. There's a metal rod in the back of that in the old mop buckets years ago. And I was going to manufacture a weapon and, and fake a seizure. And when he came in, uh, take his life. And, and in that moment of breaking that mop bucket apart, uh, God showed up. This is, this is clear as I'm speaking to you. It was audible. I, at first I, 
I, as I was trying to break that mop bucket apart, you can only imagine the adrenaline and the insanity that was running through me. And I just couldn't, I couldn't control myself. And I just looked up and I knew that I was, uh, that God was there. I looked up and I said, it felt like he was looking at me and, and shaking his head. That's what it felt like. And I I just looked up and said, then do something because I can't, I couldn't stop myself. And Right then, someone out in the cell said, who wants this Bible? They was cleaning up out in the cell area, and I was in the shower area of this mop bucket where no one could see me. And God said, "That's this is where I heard him say, come to me. And I did an about face, went out, and grabbed that Bible out of his hand. That began my journey. And then many years of turning to God, falling away, turning to God, falling away, and then now back fast forward back to where I was in the hope in solitary for the last time. And they told me my mother died after everything else. My body was shot. My, uh, losing my freedom some more, uh, had lost my father and didn't have nothing but my mother left. And then here he come telling me the chaplain came telling me my mother died. And I, I snapped and my mind went all the way back to that time when I was standing in that, in that shower stall trying to break that bucket apart. And God, this is the second audible time in my life that you, you just hear it. You just hear him just clear speaking in your head. And he, and he said, I saved you from that. Is that what you want? I felt like, like my father had my shoulders. It was pinning me to the bed trying to get me to listen, you know? And he, and he, and he's like, I saved you from that. Is that what you want? And something just snapped right then. I knew right then, that very moment, I surrendered my life. I just felt everything surrender that very moment. And I just looked right up and I was looking at a light in the cell, but it wasn't like a beaming light, but it was just the light in the cell. Same same way when I was in that shower the years before, um, I just looked up at that light and, uh, and as I was looking up, I said, I don't care what you take from me. I'm never going to let you go again. You didn't save me for me to keep falling. And I knew that very moment that I surrendered and all the years I've been turning to him and falling, turning to him and falling. He brought all things to my remembrance, things that I didn't even clearly understand. Now I'm understanding it. And I begin the process of renewing my mind. I begin to give him not just my words and my actions, but started dealing with what was in here. So whenever something wasn't right in there and didn't line up, I would battle with him. And the Bible says, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So it's easy not to say the wrong thing, not to do the wrong thing. But to get that in line with his word is where the battle really begins. And that took years. It was a day in, day out, all day long. Uh, I understand when the Bible says pray without ceasing and people say, what, you're supposed to just be on your knees all day long? No. When you went through what I went through, I knew that I had to be in constant communion with God all day long. Let's take a moment for one of our sponsors. The daily vitamins and supplements I've been using for optimization each and every day are those from BrainMD. Go to BrainMD.com and use code ERIC15 at checkout for 15% off. 
you 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 say, Lord, I'm I'm not going back again, and that sets you on a journey to say, Hey, I'm I'm going to make an impact for you. And so, what was the time frame from then until you're released? Um, I'd say uh, about four years before I was finally released. After that, um, how I got a question. Because somebody listening to this podcast, two things. One, they're going to have judgment over someone like you. Or, and, and this may this is probably likely more popular because anyone that knows you can attest for you and, and your story has been so public since being out. They have stuff that they can't, they can't either forgive themselves because they've done or they can't believe that God could ever forgive them. How did you get over the guilt? of your, of your past actions? Well, um, it, it took, it took, a uh, it took a long time. Uh, um, I still feel, uh, I, some of the things that I've done in my past drives me today. Uh, when I think about things I've done to people and the things I taught people, uh, that part, uh, almost hurts worse than what I've done. Because as far as physically to people, but it, because I'm te- I've taught others to do the same. So just like today, I'm driven to teach disciples, to, to, to disciple men, to teach them how to disciple others, to continue spreading and growing the kingdom. I So that that same mindset, the men that I taught to do violent things, what did they do and who did they teach that to and how much of that grew? So uh, it, it, it began of, I, th- I think part of my healing was, was in service. I know I can't, every time I would, because uh, early on right then, when I surrendered that last time, uh, I began to grow like I never grew before. And all the times I came to God and fell, I never grew like I did this this moment at this time, this final time when I surrendered because I surrendered everything. And I began to renew my mind. I began to, to experience the, the leading and the teaching of God's spirit in ways I never had before. And as I done this, you know, as I as God revealing things to me and showing me that it's like you know, I got answers, you know, and I, I got men around me suffering and, 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 and I need to, I need to pass this on. So the same mindset in the sense that I had as a criminal trying to train and teach others to be survivors, that was my mindset, uh, in those days. And it's still there. God gave me that gift to lead others, passion to want to strengthen others, I just didn't know how to do that. I didn't know I was doing it and being led by uh, my evil, evil, the evil, the dark realm, the evil spirits in this world that that people don't really understand is leading our lives. And so my gifts was being used in the total wrong way. And then when I surrendered, as I began to serve, as I began, as I just had this passion to, to, to train and teach others. And as I'm making a difference, it be, God just began to say, I told you, son, you know, I'm going to redeem your past. You know, I, I even make your enemies honor you. You know, I'm going to turn you, I'm going to use you for the good, like, like he did with Paul. 
And so as I, I, I my, my word to others is that um, God, if God can forgive you of your past, then who are you to hold it against you? Now, if you've done things to others and you're feeling bad about that, if, if there's any way possible, reconcile, come to them, plead for forgiveness, heal the wound if you can. And if you can't, put it in the Lord's hands. Let him handle that. And he'll do for you like he did for me, because I guarantee you I've done a lot of bad to people, and and I can't make up for that. And if I ever could reconcile or fix something, I would do that. And in the meantime, I just continue growing in my walk with the Lord by doing what he's called me to do. And, by, and, and, and you know, as you're making a difference for the good, it confirms that God has got your hand because I couldn't do anything for the good before Christ. So when something good comes out of my journey, he gets all the glory. He gets, it blows my mind the things he's allowed me to do today and what he's done with my life. He's took me from uh, a life of, of imprisonment and a life of a crime, a life of insanity. And, He's flipped me completely upside down. His word says, I'll, I'll cleanse your heart. I'll renew your mind and I'll put a right spirit within you. And man, he's done that. I was in, I've been in nut wards, padded cells, straight jackets, chains, beat down, medicated, all the worst prisons. And I was, I deserved to be there. Mm. And he took that out of me. And like you said earlier, if you didn't know the story, if I didn't share that with you, my life today, how I walk, who I am, and what I'm doing does not, does not prove or, or remind anyone of my past. And it does not even show any resemblance of, of that life and that man. And uh, once I learned I used to think it was my rage. I used to think I had this curse and uh, I had this, but I kept that rage alive because remember I talked about suicide by cop killing. I lusted every night for decades about revenge on those I blamed. And I might've had some run-ins with a few bad cops, but by God, they weren't all bad. I'm the idiot. I'm the one they're coming to uh, subdue and try to get out of the, off the streets. And someone kicked me when I was down. Well, I'm trying to kick him too, you know? Yeah, but the point is, is I just see that as us and them, you know, me against them. And, and they was the enemy. And, and once I discovered, like a lot of people, they, they blame drugs for their problem. They, you know, they got all these things they're blaming. But, but when I discovered truth, God started showing me there's three things, that, four things that lead us in this world. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, or the Holy Spirit. The Bible says those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Well, when we're not letting the Spirit lead, when we're being disobedient, and we don't even know how to, how to hear Him, and we don't even know what He wants, we're just muddling through life, just making it the best way we know how. And what steers us 
is our lusts. Lust of the eyes, things. People are so committed to getting things and having everything and lust of the flesh is pleasure. Drugs, sex, alcohol, whatever brings them pleasure. All the things that brings them pleasure, food, whatever. And the pride of life is us thinking we exist on our own, that we don't have to acknowledge the creator, the one that gives us life. It's pretty arrogant of us. The creation not recognizing the creator. So when I teach the men, you got to understand your battle. That's where your battle was. Your lust that you didn't conquer when you turn, many guys turn to God and fall away. I couldn't understand why I couldn't overcome because I didn't understand my battle. If I was staying stuck in my lusts, that's what's going to lead my life. If I, if I constantly think of these rageful thoughts, that rage is going to lead my life. If I constantly think about having sex, sex is going to lead my life. Same with drugs and anything else. That's what the lust, that's why God don't want us to lust. He, it, if we stay connected to Christ and we grow spiritually, when you hear spiritual maturity, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you stay connected to me, I'll abide in you if you abide in me and you'll bear fruit and I'll prune it so you'll bear more fruit. And the fruit that you'll bear is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, patience, and self-control. Patience, self-control, and faithfulness, they didn't grow. Those that turned to God and fell away because if they did, they, they'd have self-control. They wouldn't fall back in. If they was faithful, they wouldn't fall back in. If they was patient, they wouldn't give in. And, and love, if they loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, they wouldn't go against him. So they just didn't spiritually mature. And as I surrendered those last years in prison, God began to teach me this. And I began to conquer those thoughts. And uh, I got a saying, thoughts are like birds. You can't keep them from landing on your head, but you can keep them from building a nest. You don't have to think them. That was like revolutionary. I mean, I don't have to think these thoughts. It sounds pretty simple, but it's not. It is simple, but it's not easy. It's just clear cut, simple. Run the thoughts off. Well, for a mind that's been run and living this kind of uh, lifestyle for so long, they come right back. If that's all you know, that's all you know. It's like learning a whole new language, a whole new lifestyle. And I spent years of battling those thoughts, laying in my bed, ears plugged up, feeding on God's word, running thoughts off, replacing it with God's word, learning how to wear the armor of God. Knowing God's word, so I can have that sword. Remember, the sword of the spirit's the word of God. So, I, if I don't know God's word, I can't. I can't battle. And if I ain't standing on my faith, I'm cowering in fear, and that's not of God. So, all these things, don't, everything I just said is a mouthful, and I didn't learn that overnight, and nobody can. And if someone doesn't stand there to teach these men and women, this is how we grow. Then guess what? We have a lot of what other people call hypocrites, but they're not. They're just weak in their walk and they don't know what to do. And they're just stumbling through life and faking it till they make it, trying to get by the best way they know how. So today, God has turned my passion to his kingdom. I, I want to, I can't make up for my past, but I can do what he's put on my heart to do. And that is to, to make disciples. Uh, when I discovered it, when he rose from the grave and came to his disciples and said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. 
and with that authority, he said, go make disciples of the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all I command you, and I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. Well, I know I need him, and he'll be with me to the ends of the earth if I do what he says, and that's make disciples, uh, baptize, and teach them to obey all he commanded. And in my journey, he's took me from darkness to light, from hate to love. He's transformed my heart and using that to witness to men because when they know the story or they know my past, they see that there is a God and that only God could do that. Uh, I didn't just decide to stop cussing and be good and go to church. That's impossible. And now today, um, my wife and I, she left, uh, well, I met her in the first year of being uh, released. And then uh, we, we knew right early on that God put us together. We married rather quickly. And then uh, he called me into full-time ministry. And uh, I, I ended up uh, uh, joining a, a missionary organization, become a missionary. And soon after that, my wife felt the Lord pulling her and she left all her work and, and she was a very successful and accomplished uh, entrepreneur and a digital marketer and a life coach and business coach. And she was just, she's a very sharp, very smart woman and plays a large role uh, in this ministry. And without her, we wouldn't be where we're at, but she followed uh, me. And as we followed the Lord in the mission field, and they soon, uh, we got invited to go into uh, a prison, an institution, and then it just unrolled. She would write in her uh, in our uh, newsletter about a prison ministry. I said, "We're not a prison ministry. We're making disciples. We'll go anywhere, and uh, we'll go to prisons, houses, churches, wherever." And uh, don't pigeonhole me is what I said. And, and then one thing after another. You know, one baptism after another, one life after another, and I couldn't deny this is where God wanted me. And he put it on my heart to create a model that can be reproduced. And that's how the ministry Freedom Lake was birthed. Freedom Lake uh, is a ministry that my wife and I created and are founders of, and it's discipleship from the inside out, in prison, all the way out the complete package of we, we, uh, I serve as a minister on call in this one institution and uh, I'm in there six days a week. I've got a dorm inside the institution that is just is designated just for the ones that we choose to go in there that have proven their journey, that they've committed themselves. They're, they're proven to step into leadership. And they're learning to be a disciple that makes disciples. They're learning to share the gospel and share their testimony and all the things we're teaching them how to spiritually mature, you know, all the things that I didn't have someone teach me. <laughs> uh, so from the inside out, from the dorm to all the days we spend with them to when they come out, uh, we're closing on a property uh, this, this in the next week or two um, that will be designated for the men that we vet that walk that we walk with during their stay in that institution, which is a six month program in that institution. Uh, it's a drug program. So while they're committed to this drug program, they're also committed to us full time. So that's pretty, that's a, that's a big commitment. Plus we spend a lot of time with them and, and get to see the fruit. We know it, you know, a tree bites fruit. So we vet our men that we bring 
to the property. And the property is, is there for them to solidify the habits they started in there to continue growing when they get out, not get choked out by the cares of the world right away. Let them get acclimated, get solid in their, in their, in their habits that they started in there, which spending time in God's word and in prayer every day and, and renewing their minds because they've only been with the Lord for a few months. It takes longer than a few months to renew your mind. I know that first firsthand. And so Freedom Lake is is the process of discipleship from the inside all the way through the outside. When uh, they first come out, they don't have to worry about rent and food and clothes and all that. Focus on the discipleship. Focus on your walk, your growth in God. And then in that journey, we're going to be seeking his will and direction for your life. And then we'll plan for that. Instead of just spitting them out of the prison system with a bag on their shoulder with a few clothes and a few old letters, and not not nothing, you know, um, not nothing going for them. Well, by the time they're done here, they should have all their credentials from IDs, driver's license, all, all that stuff, bank accounts, uh, and 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 established, and and with a goal and a plan and a purpose. So uh, that's for those that you. The question you asked me earlier for those that's struggling with forgiving their self. You know, as I have, as I have lived a life of service to God, I don't even, I don't even, until I have a interview like this, I don't even share or even think about my past. Something might spark something, but it don't, it don't resonate. I learned how to run those birds off <laughs> and not think on those thoughts. And, uh, and through this life of service, it is just constantly God confirms that he's leading this. He's got me. My past is like he said in his word is, is gone, forgotten as far as the East is from the West. And, uh, it's, it's a hard journey, uh, to carry that guilt and shame. And Jesus is the one that can take that away. And you got to know that. And, uh, one of those things is, is what's most important is your journey, people's journey, getting to know the Lord. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. The more time you spend in his word and and in prayer and obedience. If you're not being obedient to what he's laying out, if it, he taught me how to renew my mind. He told me what to think. He showed me to run thoughts off that's not lined up with him and bring and, and think on these things. Like he says in Philippians, think on these things. And he, and he lists the things, uh, how to guide your thoughts. And if your thoughts ain't lined up with all those ways of thinking of things that are pure and just and right and good, and if it's not like, run it off. If you just keep wallowing in it, it's going to, it's what's going to steer you. And it, and it, and it takes, it takes growth it takes practice. It takes obedience. And the, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And then if one day you're like, wow, uh, that don't even bother me anymore. Or I don't even think like that anymore. That's the renewing of your mind. It's an instruction. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the ways of the world, but transform, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's an instruction. You got to do this. And 
uh, there is freedom in Christ. There is born again experience. It's a, when you're receiving Christ, you're receiving the grace of God that cleansed you from all your sin, which enabled you to receive the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can't live inside of human beings because we have a sin nature. But Jesus cleanses us from that. And when we when we're cleansed of our sin nature, now the Holy Spirit can move in. That's when we're born again. Then we grow up. Then we got to grow up. And growing up is being obedient, uh, learning. We grew up. Everything I learned in life is put is what I programmed my brain throughout what the world. Programmed everything from the abuse, from the, the violence, from all the things in life that I learned. That's what was in my mind. Well, I got to be reprogrammed. When I got born again, I got to grow up again. And the hardest thing when we've lived a life for some for decades before we turn to the Lord, the hardest thing is we got all that junk. We carried a lot of, uh, of, of thoughts that dominate us. But the process is, is, is doable. But it's only doable through Christ. It's not a matter of you rewiring your thinking. It's a matter of receiving this Christ, the Spirit of the Lord, that empowers you to do the things that you couldn't do without him. I couldn't love my enemy. So without the Spirit of the Lord, I couldn't do that. I couldn't grasp that. I couldn't even understand why I should love my enemy. But by submitting and, and knowing that I'm submitting to the leading of the Spirit, then I experience the growth that comes from God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And when you're in some, living in submission and obedience, you begin to grow in ways that you can't if you don't. You just, you just right. fall in back and forth. It's, a, um, it's an ongoing battle. If you follow me at all on social media, you have seen me rave about my sauna from Sauna Space, and I only promote products that I personally use myself. I'm excited to let you know that I now have an offer for the listeners. Sauna Space allows you to rejuvenate at a cellular level with a sauna that harnesses the power of the sun. Sauna Space combines cutting edge infrared technology with nature's ancient wisdom to help you find relief. What's that mean? You will get the many benefits of infrared light. You will detox your body through the pouring of sweat out of your body, and you will be charged by the grounding mat your feet will be on. If you want that explained further, go to episode 94 of this podcast, and the owner, Brian Richards, will explain them for himself. Everyone that has purchased one of these saunas has absolutely loved it. It is a vital part of my daily routine to optimize my body. Use the link in the show notes and use code What's Next 5 for 5% off your order and your loved one will never feel better. Right. There are some episodes where I just get out of the way. And this was a perfect example of that because... I had I have a lot of notes when I come into these conversations, Tony. I pride myself on preparation, and you nailed basically everything that I wanted to talk about with you today, hoping to have an impact on so many people's lives prior to this Easter season. I just want to commend you. I've heard it said, you're most powerfully suited to serve those in a position you once were. And yeah. at times, we're not proud of who we once were, but those are the individuals we 
are in a position to serve. I honor you for using your platform, using this transformation in the way you have. We're going to put a link to Freedom Lake in the show notes because that is not an inexpensive venture. This is not a uh, this is not something uh, I don't want to speak for you, but something that takes a, a community to support uh, you and Kim cannot support this on your own. So we will put a link to that in the show notes. Any way that I can ever serve you, Tony, you have my cell phone number, you contact me because I want to support you um, in, in your mission because I, I've seen you walk it and, and guys that walk it like you do. I want to support any way I can. I want to end in this way, though because there's a lot of people listening to this podcast from all over the country that, that may not be, uh, it may not be on their schedule this Sunday or this weekend to go to service, to go to mass, to go to church for Easter. What would be your nudge to those individuals this weekend? Well, I, I know that if they are believers, then Easter is celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. It's our it Super gives, Bowl. Yeah, it's, that's right. It gives us, it's what gives us life. His, he conquered the grave. And when he resurrected, that began the hope of, of mankind. And he sent his men out to spread that word. And, and, Many gave their lives for that. And I would say this, that uh, his immediate followers had had given their lives for their testimony when they witnessed him raised from the grave. And uh, if they hadn't done that, we wouldn't believe like we believe. If they hadn't gave their lives for huh? 11 of 12 suffered violent deaths because they wouldn't deny it. That's right. Now, who would die for a lie? So there's testimony, their life, and Christ's act of, of, of sacrifice in conquering the grave and resurrecting is why we have life. And if we're not, if we're not celebrating that, we don't understand it. So I... I, I implore anybody, I, I can't, uh, uh, anybody that is a Christian should be celebrating Easter, should be coming to church to lift up praise and honor God for what he's done for us as a, as a, as a, as a whole. He's given us hope. And also, uh, for those that don't know Christ, if they happen to be watching this, hey, there is eternal life, and it's through Jesus Christ. We was all born with a death sentence, every one of us, except for him. He chose to go to the cross, and we was all born with this death sentence, and none of us want to die. If there is eternal life, we should all want to seek that, and if Christ is the one that conquered the grave, then we all should want to seek him and come to the church on Sunday, this Sunday on Easter, you should hear about our resurrected Lord, our savior, the one that brings us eternal life. So I say, Hey, 
Go to church this Easter and find out why he rose and what he did when he rose from the grave and what he's offering to us. Um, it is a, uh, it is a must. Every, the number one, the number one greatest experience on this earth is a relationship with God. And the most important decision we should ever make is to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. So we can be born again and have that relationship with God. Without him, we're separated for eternity. So there is eternal life, either with Christ in the kingdom of heaven. And he said, you must be born again, or you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And in this born again, through him, through God. So if you don't know that, you don't understand that, uh, I say, with all my heart, I'm pleading with you to seek him with all your heart. He says, seek and you shall find. I don't mean just, I don't mean just scratch the surface. Run after him with everything you got and you'll find that he is very real and he's the life source and the life giver. You heard me talk about ministering to men in prison and jails and people coming from the dark world. I'll tell them there's a saying I say that I created. You'll run 50 miles an hour in a 20-mile zone with one headlight, expired tags, a warrant out for your arrest at 3 o'clock in the morning to the dope house. Run after God that fast and see what happens. He will change your life like he did mine. But mm. he needs all of you, not part of you. So please come come to church Sunday. Celebrate the life giver. Celebrate the one that conquered the grave and hopes that, uh, and I hope that, that if, if you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, that you'll, you'll come to do that. We're not promised tomorrow. So, uh, with all your heart, seek him and you'll find. Tony, that was beautiful. Beautiful words throughout this podcast. I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know your time is sensitive, uh, so I want to honor you for that. Thank you very much uh, for sharing with me, sharing with the listeners uh, your story, which I know isn't easy to tell all the time. And and this is different on, on a national platform, but I, I thank you for that. And because you are vulnerable with your story, the impact that you have will continue uh, to make waves uh, throughout this area will be will be replicated, will be multiplied, and in the legend of Tony Cash, uh, will, will will live on for a long time in honor of your father. And, and so, Tony, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I look forward to serving with you, sir. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for having me, brother. And uh, God bless you, and, and may your podcast reach many lives uh, and, and make a difference in this world. Thank, thank you, brother. brother. This episode has been brought to you by Jordan Yoakum at Tom James Company. Jordan is my clothing guy and I get everything from him from custom suits and dress clothes to casual wear. Let Jordan do the shopping for you to save you precious time that could be focused on your family, career, or hobbies. Jordan can work virtually with anyone in the world and if he cannot personally get your measurements himself, he will have someone come get them for him. 
If you have put on the quarantine 15 like many have and your clothes aren't fitting properly anymore, he can also make adjustments to the clothing you already have. There's a certain confidence that comes with having clothes that fit perfect and let Jordan give you that confidence. You can contact him by email at jordan.yokum at tomjames.com or visit his website louisvillecustomclothing.com. Contact info will be in the show notes.